This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 86, How to Get Wealthy While Paying Your Taxes, Part 1. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious. Be stable. Be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode. I feel like each episode, we're just raising the stakes, showing you guys more and more awesome strategies to get you thinking different about your money and how this uh, whole economy works uh, for you and your future. So we're glad to have you with us and so glad to have you with me too, Holly. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Thank you, Mark. And welcome, everyone. All right. So one of our core principles at Not Your Average Financial Podcast is that money should always bring peace, sanity, satisfaction, and never regret or guilt, okay? So there's so many places you could put your money and where your money lives makes it act different. And I believe it makes us act different as well. So uh, for so many people, that principle of peace and sanity, satisfaction is an unrealistic principle. They just don't feel like it it can happen. They have a, a relationship with money that will apparently, uh, seemingly to them, always seem Uh, full of fear, regret, guilt, uh, and so forth. So especially considering how hard it is uh, to stay afloat with just paying for the necessities of life, like your cars, like your home repairs, it can really just throw your financial plan into, you know, the fan. It can throw it out of whack, right? And don't forget the biggest bill that probably any of us will ever pay over our lifetime is the tax bill that will always be required of us each and every year. It's always demanding uh, its payment. It's always this tax monster that's always hungry for a, a, another bite, right? So in our last episode, we went over some strategies to lower that tax obligation year over year to the IRS. After you've cut down your obligation to the IRS by all legal ways possible, of course, it's time now to take a good hard look at the best way that you can pay your taxes that you still owe the government. Yep. I mean, I really feel like most people don't actually think about how to pay their taxes. I mean, really, if you have a day job with a steady wage, it's simply just withheld from your paycheck and you never even notice how much you're giving to the government each month. It's just you it's money you never received, it's money you never had to do anything with. It's just simply not there and it was taken care of. Um, for most business owners, you know, we simply kind of scratch together the money that we still owe and write a big check to the IRS, um, you know, come, you know, tax time of the following year. Others just really have no plan all year long at all and end up paying their tax payment on, you know, perhaps a credit card or some other worse means of paying taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a couple episodes ago, we talked about how withholding began during wartime because the government was worried that we couldn't come to gather together all the money at only in April every year. So they start withholding the money. They just take it right out of your paycheck every month so that they don't miss a payment. They Mm -hmm. get on a monthly plan with us instead of uh, getting money from us annually. Mm -hmm. Okay. So however, think about all the creative ways that you can pay for something. Okay. Yes. You can withdraw the money just straight out of a savings account. You could put that money all year long into a brokerage account, for example, and hope and pray that the stock market would grow and give you some assistance on covering that cost for your taxes. I mean, we don't necessarily recommend that, but that, that is technically possible to do. Why don't we recommend it? Well, the, the market definitely could be higher 12 months from now. Uh, I mean, you're definitely going to have a tax day on April 15th. 
Uh, just hope and pray, I don't believe, is a strategy, though, <laughs> for paying our taxes, in our opinion. Because if the market is down, then you've got to pay you know, all your tax bill, plus you've got to come up with the extra that the market took away from you. Plus, if too many other people started doing this strategy of putting your money into a brokerage account, uh, and then the whole country withdraws their money out of the brokerage account in early April, that's going to cause the stock market to crash every year. Not a great scalable strategy, right? <laughs> well, well, maybe if I'm the only one that's Oh, there it. you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, also take a moment and think about how much tax you'll pay over your lifetime. I mean, when you total it all up, it might even be hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars to the government. It's millions of dollars you would never see again. Not just your you know, year-end income tax due, but your sales tax, your property tax, your income tax, your travel tax, your excise tax, capital gains tax, your business taxes if you happen to be a business owner, and even your inheritance or estate tax when you pass away. I mean, think about wow. all that opportunity cost. And think about all the ways the government is taxing us. <laughs> that's, that's incredible. Um, I mean, just think of how much money you could grow and enjoy over your lifetime if you could figure out a better way to pay for all of that tax. Um, I mean, for more on what we think about opportunity cost, check out our episode 13. Uh, we have an episode in which we dedicate entirely to opportunity cost. So check that one out. Yeah, and we contend that taxes are the single biggest expense that you will pay over your entire lifetime. It's going to be more than your house. It's going to be more than your education, even more than your own children. I mean, what a shame, right? We live in the land of the free, and that's the biggest expense that we're ever going to pay. Uh, it's time to start thinking about your tax payment in terms of an annual figure. So, you know, again, Holly, you brought it up that our taxes are withheld from our paychecks most every month. If you were to multiply that number by 12, you might be surprised exactly how much the government gets from you from just your income tax. Again, not uh, accepting all the other taxes that you just listed there, Holly. And then add all those taxes back in, like sales tax, property tax, everything you just listed there. Uh, think about it. Even if we're just considering the payroll taxes for your day job, that's thousands and thousands of dollars every single year. If you make $50,000, for example, at your day job and you're 35 years old, and let's say you just never got a raise because, you know, you just didn't, you know, show up and do your thing. You just got the regular 50000 for 30 plus years, right? Over 35 years, you would pay uh, $6,000 a year in taxes every year, according to the current tax schedule. So over 35 years of your life, that's going to be $210,000 that you would give to the IRS. But it doesn't stop there, right? Because even after you retire, you're still paying taxes into your retirement. And if most of your money has been saved in a taxable 401k, or you're, maybe you're still working part-time, they're going to keep taking money out of your account over your retirement years as well. So what if you could find a way to grow your money while still satisfying the Internal Revenue Service? Would it be worth it to find that out? I mean, that's a good chunk of cash. Would it be worth it to change how you pay for your taxes? Your life's most important financial decision is how to pay for your life's biggest expense. Let me say that again. Your life's most important financial decision is how to pay for your life's biggest expense, and that is your tax bill. What if you could save that money? What if you could even earn a return on that money? So our, our friend who was making $50,000 a year, paying $6,000 a year in taxes, what if he could put away $6,000 a year for 35 years at 5% interest? That grows to $541,000 over the same 35 years. And that's only to age 70, right? 
Yep. And so in practical terms, there are really only two ways to pay for your taxes. One way is to save up for them all year long. The other way is to realize you owe them a ton of money and then take out credit cards for the loans, you know, for the loans for your taxes, or to go into debt directly with the IRS itself and set up a payment plan with them. Hmm. As of 2019, they charge penalties and interest of 6% and they compound your interest daily, actually. Um, and so that's about as expensive as a loan as you can get and as expensive as they can make it. In addition, you'll generally have to pay a late payment penalty of one half of 1%, so 0.5% of the actual tax owed for each month that the tax remains unpaid from the due date until the tax is paid in full. There is no maximum limit to the failure to pay penalty. So really, they kind of have um, unlimited control to do whatever they want yeah. if, you're, yeah. if you're in debt to them. I mean, they're they're just going to hit you in every way that they can. The more often something compounds, the more expensive it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you have a monthly compounding interest rate on a credit card, that's that would actually be better than a daily. daily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's how the IRS does it. Yep. yep. And so obviously going into debt to pay your taxes isn't a long-term strategy to pay for your taxes. However, have you ever considered the problem with just paying cash for your taxes though too? So when you save up for something and then withdraw the money to spend it, we've talked about this before with cars, vacations, um, but it even applies to paying your taxes. When you save up, and then withdraw it to spend it, that's money you'll never see again. Um, So again, to hear more about kind of this concept, um, we have an episode called The Debt Saver and Wealth Accumulator Staircase. We kind of talk about um, the advantages, disadvantages of of the way you just pay for things and pay Mm -hmm. for anything. And so um, paying your taxes applies to this as well. That's episode 71. So feel free to check that out if you want a little bit more reference there. Yeah. So in order for us to overcome the problem of opportunity cost. And in order to become a wealth accumulator, you have to find some way somehow to keep earning money even while you're using it to cover your tax obligations. But I mean, what could honestly, what could do that, right? (laughs) So if there was anything out there in the financial universe that could continue to grow guaranteed, even when you liquidate the funds, I'd love to find out, right? So there are a few examples. And I know our our regular listeners might already be jumping to a conclusion here, but I want to think through this with everyone for just a minute. First of all, there are a few other places that grow your money even when you access the funds, okay? So one, a 401k loan, right? A 401k loan does this. You can give, you can usually get about 50% of the 401k balance or $50,000 out of your 401k as a loan, whichever of those two numbers is less, okay? So if you've got 100 grand in your 401k, you can access $50,000 for a loan. Then typically they will hold your money at the 401k administrator's office. They'll hold that money uh, on reserve in a cash account which really won't give you much, if any, growth uh, while you're repaying your 401k loan. Also, the loan repayment is set and scheduled by the 401k plan administrator, and they're also gonna charge an interest on 401k loans, okay? So yes, technically you are earning a little bit of interest on your cash account while you're waiting for that 401k loan to be paid back, and you are actually being charged interest by the 401k loan company as well, okay? So those are kind of some problems with the 401k loan. Another major problem that I recently kind of started thinking more about, you know, because I was like, wow, you know, this 401k loan, it's one way to get the money out before waiting for 59 and a half and I'm not being subject to taxes or penalties. Oh, wait, I'm actually, if you think about it, Holly, I'm being taxed twice Mm -hmm. to do a 401k loan. Taxed once, 
while I'm putting my money back in the 401k, right? Since I'm paying my 401k loan off with after-tax dollars. Okay, so I took a $50,000 loan from my 401k and they're gonna make me pay, you know, 800 bucks a month or whatever to repay my 401k loan. Well, that $800 is coming from my checking account to repay that 401k, which is after-tax dollars. Okay, yep. so it's paid once there. So once the loan is paid off and that money is back in my 401k, a few years down the road in retirement, they're going to tax me a second time in retirement. That's a tax trap if I've ever heard one on the mm -hmm. 401k. It's bad enough to pay our taxes later when taxes will likely be higher. Why in the world would we use our 401k loan to pay taxes twice on the same dollar? So, you know, there are some, uh, you know, important notes to, I guess, take on this too. IRAs actually don't allow for loans. So just a side note on that. What about another strategy, Holly, that possibly could grow your money even while you're accessing it to pay your taxes? This one's a popular one I've, I've heard. Yep. So um, that is the HELOC. So HELOCs are another interesting strategy as they're able to give you liquid access to the equity in your home. And your home really, you know, realistically, conceivably should continue to appreciate in value even as you have that loan out um, from the HELOC. So that lets your money do two things at, at at once, right? I mean, exactly what we're looking for here. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, there's nothing guaranteed about home values growing, though. So just keep that in mind. Um, you know, just as much as your home could, you know, come up in value, rise in value, it could also fall in value. Um, and then we might even be kind of be hit twice because now our home is worth less and mm. we now have this loan out as well. So just something to keep in mind. And once again, we're back in the pocket of the bank as well, though, where we're going to be paying them interest, required monthly payments, rather than benefiting from any interest that would be paid. So um, that loan or that interest is just going to go straight to the bank because they're so generous to give you um, that loan. And then also don't forget that the bank is able to take away the HELOC just as easily as they gave it to you. And this is a really important point um, for for people because who think that HELOCs are just kind of this like great um, thing that they can just get and use um, at their own discretion with no downsides or no you know potential downfall. Um, because really a HELOC can be called. I mean, they, and they were, they were called um, where people said, okay, your HELOC's gone. You no longer have um, access to this line of credit. And there were a lot of people that had built systems and maybe not their lifestyle, but their businesses based on having access to that equity. So all of a sudden that equity's frozen, it's gone. You could be left in a pretty tight spot. Um, all it really is going to take is a job loss or a bank credit fiasco for them to say, hey, you know, your HELOC, it's gone. Um, pay us back, you know. Um, and then also since the recent tax reform, something to keep in mind is um, actually the tax benefit from paying interest on HELOCs has actually been taken away. So that's no longer um, a potential tax saving as well. Well, you're, so you brought up two really important points. I mean, when you've lost a job or when the market is crashing, when would we most likely need a big bucket of money for emergencies or cash available for an un unforeseen job loss or whatnot, whatnot, right? Right about then. <laughs> right about then. Yeah. And the bank, of course, knows that and they realize that you're about to pull money out that you can't repay. So they're going to vaporize your or limit your HELOC, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I've found a lot of people didn't notice when this was slipped into the recent tax reform that the tax deductibility of HELOC interest uh, was no longer available to us now that we have this new tax law. Uh, ordinary mortgages, yes. HELOCs, no longer available for folks. So that tax benefit's gone as well. You're mm -hmm. right. Very good. So the third way that we were able to find in the financial universe 
that lets the money grow even while you're accessing it is to kind of do what I kind of think of as sort of a silly strategy, but I do hear it come across my desk every so often. Uh, so people who want to get a bank loan, let's say, for $50,000 uh, can put money into a savings account or a CD as collateral and then get the bank loan. So there we are. We've got the money liquidated, buying it, uh, using that money for paying our taxes, let's say, and it's still earning interest for us over there in the bank. So essentially, you get a bank CD or a savings account, and you also ask the bank, the same bank, uh, to use your savings account or CD as a collateral for a normal bank loan. So typically, banks are going to say, hey, give us $50,000, and we will give you a loan. What do you know? For $50,000. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great deal, right? So how how generous of you, Mr. Banker? <laughs> so you know there is that that strategy does work in some certain circumstances, but once again, usually the spread is not in your favor. You know the mm-hmm. interest on the CD might be you know one or two percent. The bank loan itself, I mean, they're not doing this for charity. They're going to be charging you more than that typically. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't often work out in the long run for us to run that scenario. So, is there anything else? Well, there is one more financial vehicle that we've come across that has the capacity to grow even when you're accessing the funds. So imagine if you could get compounding growth on all of the tax money that you sent into the IRS next year, but not just next year, let's say over the next 10 years, all those tax payments. Or what about even over your lifetime? What about even past your lifetime? (laughs) I mean, what could possibly do that strategy for you and, you know, as, as our long-time listeners might have uh, already picked up on, there is a particular form of high cash value dividend-paying whole life insurance, or as it's been coined, uh, bank, on your, bank on yourself. So how can you actually use this strategy to do that? All right. Uh, so how can you use the strategy not just to enjoy the tax advantages inside of life insurance, and there are a lot of them, a lot of tax benefits inherent to life insurance, but how could you actually use the bank on yourself type policies to build wealth on taxes you still have to pay? So in this and the following episode, we will be specifically discussing that strategy that calls for taking the cash flow that you were already going to put toward your tax payment, reroute it through a correctly designed bank on yourself type policy that has the capacity to adjust your particular situation and provide the freedom to not be dependent on outside bankers. So as before, I want to really emphasize that this does not reduce your tax liability. We're not talking about reducing the liability. We're just presenting an option for how you can redirect money that was going to go to your tax payment in any other circumstance. Another important point is that I think this tax paying strategy works best for business owners. Mm -hmm. And this is because they have a unique distinction that employees on a fixed income don't necessarily have. And that difference is their ability to create windfalls through either business profits or the selling of business assets. Um, I mean, these uh, actions can even include the selling of the entire business as the final sale and exit strategy when the business owner retires. So as we will see that the strategy we will get into now um, is most advantageous for people with volatile income streams, which is why it should appeal to business owners first and foremost. Yeah. So why why bank on yourself type policies? Um, there are three, I think, three specific qualities or characteristics inside these modern forms of whole life insurance that uh, we'll describe. Uh, if we're designing it properly, dividend paying whole life insurance policies really stand out because of three specific and relevant characteristics. Here they are. One, inside a life insurance policy that's correctly designed, the bank on yourself way, 
you have access and control over your money. So this is cash value, permanent whole life insurance. And if you have cash value in your policy, you have a right to pull that money out for any reason, including paying your taxes. So that's an important first feature we had to have in our uh, life insurance contracts if we're gonna use this to pay our taxes. Number two, you need flexibility in order to repay this on your own terms. So a 401k loan starts the repayments basically right away. And you might or might not as a individual or business owner have uh, a regular cash stream that you wanna be repaying on that 401k loan, for example. With a life insurance loan, uh, there is an outstanding loan balance that rolls over and does accumulate some policy loan interest, but you can pay that loan off back on your own schedule or even not at all during your lifetime. If you pass away with the loan outstanding, the death benefit is just netted out the loan and your family gets the rest. So the policy is uh, yours to repay. The policy loan is yours to repay as you wish. The third characteristic we really wanted to keep an eye on when using this to pay down taxes each year is you wanted, and, and we really were looking for, uninterrupted compounding of your money. So whatever amount you borrow from the policy, that same amount continues to earn money in the form of interest and dividends and equity in your policy for as long as you live and as long as your policy remains in force. So those three characteristics, access and control over your money, flexibility of repaying the loan, and uninterrupted compounding of your money. Boy, if you could combine those three characteristics, you could create the ideal cash flow and financing system for your business. And I'd say instead of using a commercial bank or a HELOC or a 401k loan, it really solves the problem when it comes to paying, paying for really any big purchase, right? But also, especially your tax liability. So once again, this is not about reducing your tax liability. Uh, there's no free money in this strategy. Uh, what we're talking about is a way to flow your regular expense, like your taxes, through your policy first. And I'm, taking, I'm picking taxes because everybody pays taxes. You know, we could be picking any expense here, uh, you know, your equipment, your vacations, whatever. The point is that by building up the policy and taking loans from those policies to pay your taxes, uh, you have a few things. One, uh, you have a nice, big, fat death benefit in case you pass away prematurely. And two, you have a much more flexible instrument that you can use uh, through, um, through your policy's lifetime to pack in windfalls that may come your way through inheritance or big accounts that you close, that sort of thing. So especially for the business and the business owner, it's a way to use this system to have a place to park your money in between your uh, opportunities and again, to cover your tax obligations. Any final thoughts on this, Holly? Yeah, no, I think that that's um, a good point. Again, we're not talking about, you know, these aren't deductions, right? This is not a way of um, deducting to get your taxes lower. Rather, this is just a, a talking about a system and a way of paying for your taxes. And so there's something that we're all going to pay every year anyway. Um, and it potentially being the biggest expense over our, our entire lifetime, why wouldn't we want to try and figure out the best system of doing that, the best way of doing that, mm. um, so that we're going to have a whole lot more, not only in our pocket, but then also to, to leave behind as well. Wow, so good. So hold on to your hats because the next part two, we're going to get into a specific case study and show you exactly how this works and how it worked out for our wonderful friend, Tommy Taxpayer, 
You know, I think he, that's his legal name, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but for now, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your taxes, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.